Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. This song is a declaration. I invite you to sing it along with me, Lighthouse. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Listen, church, listen. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. Here's why, church, hey, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory.
Cause you take what the enemy meant for evil You turn it for good You turn it for good Right there where you're at, sing Cause you take what the enemy meant for evil All that fear And you turn it into faith You turn it into faith Faith over fear, fear has got to go Cause you take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for my good One more time, say Cause you take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for my
Cause I am a child of God No longer a slave to fear Cause no longer a slave to fear
can do all things but fail Cause you've never lost a battle No, you've never lost a battle And I know, I know Come on, let's sing it together one more time You can do all You can do all things There's no reason to stress No reason to worry Cause my God can do all things Your God Cause you've never lost a battle No, you've never lost a battle And I know, I know You never will Yes, I know, I know You never will I know, I know You never will Thank you, Jesus, for your victory It's so good to be back with you all once again. And for those of you that are watching online, my name is Josh. And alongside my wife, Joanna, we have the absolute privilege to serve Lighthouse Church as the pastors of the North County campus. And uh, one of the things that you don't know as you're watching online right now is this is now the third broadcast that we record in a 72 hour time span. So our team has been working relentlessly to continue to push out the gospel message we are living right now through a global pandemic with COVID-19 and how it has impacted really the entire world. And uh, we're coming to you right now from the beautiful city of San Diego. And, um, you know, our entire state is on a shelter in place order. But earlier today, I felt like God gave me a word for this day and for this time. And so I want us to lean in right now. And we have this special message that we are bringing to you all today. And I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 12. And I'm going to read the first five verses there. And then we're going to go forward with everything that God has for us today. I'll be coming to you for about 30 minutes. We're going to worship some more. And then we'll send you on your way. In the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 1, it reads as follows. About that time, King Herod Agrippa, began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So there's 16 on one. How do you like those odds? Herod's intention was to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church began to pray very earnestly for him. I'm going to highlight that. But while Peter was in prison, the church began to pray very earnestly for him. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that the Lord arrested me this morning and gave me. It is this thought, the church unchained. The church unchanged. You know, as I think about this time that we are living through right now, and as I think about all that is happening right now, there have been great cultural shifts that have happened that then impact subsequent generations. There's shifts that happen and and generations later are marked by those 
shifts. For example, when the internet arrived, we would hear the phrase, it's the digital age. How many remember hearing that phrase? It's the digital age. And it described this moment that we actually now live in today. And when technology advanced us by way of smartphones and smart devices, we've literally had to add words to our dictionary that didn't exist. I mean, the word, why don't you Google it? That phrase, Google it, Googling something. It was a word that didn't exist. And now it does. And it has impacted not just us, but it's really going to impact generations generations to come. We are currently navigating the largest communication shift of our time. So there are cultural shifts, there are cultural moments that will impact subsequent generations. And I believe right now, as we are navigating this pandemic of COVID-19, this is another shift that I believe will impact generations to come. I believe that it is a great cultural moment. And in this text that we read right here, we also read a great cultural moment for the church. It was a great cultural moment for the church. We catch up in Acts chapter 12 and and Peter, who is really the head of the church, he's been arrested and he is soon to be executed. And um, it's he's living at a time where the Christians, the, the early Jesus followers are, are being scattered because they're being persecuted. They are being rounded up and, and put inside the Colosseum. They're being rounded up and put to death. They are dying for their faith. And, and, and here we have Peter in Acts chapter 12, and now he is arrested shortly after James, the brother of John, has been arrested and executed, and now this is happening to Peter. And, and what I want to really focus in on right now is the response of the church. Because when you look at the response of the church, they did something that we can learn from. You see, the church grew as a result of persecution. The church grew and it spread like a wildfire because of persecution. And they did so without a building. Come on, somebody. They grew even without a building. They grew without set lists. They grew without production. They grew without planning center. They grew without everything that we have come to expect from a church service. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things, and and, and I think we need to have an order to our gatherings, but just know that the source of the church's power has always been the Spirit of God and not the method of delivery. I'm going to say that again. The source of the church's power has always been the spirit of God. But there is one consistent thing that I have seen in every great revival of the church. And there have been many revivals that have come to the church. And, and, and what is the consistent thing that is found in the DNA of the revival of the church is found here in verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church began to pray. You see, great needs demand great prayer. Great needs demand great prayer. Peter was a leader of the church and he's being held captive and Herod is getting ready to make a spectacle of Peter. Herod saw just how much James's death impacted the Jews. He, he saw that he won the court of public opinion. And so he was getting ready to do the same thing. But he thought he had the church in a position that was going to greatly cripple the church because he had their leader now. 
And he wasn't just that he was going to execute him, but he was going to do it during their Passover celebration. And the church responded in the way that the church must always respond in times of great need. The church began to pray. I said the church began to pray. Right now, less than, less than 24 hours ago, the state of California declared a shelter in place. And I am telling you, we are one more time in an area we are living through a time when we have great need. And how should the church respond? We need to respond by prayer. Great needs demand great prayer. And not only should we respond by prayer, but I believe it behooves us to have the right perspective about it all. You see, you could either see this as a setback or you could see it as a setup. I choose to see it as a setup. I choose to see it as God allowing some things to happen to wake the church up once again. You can look at this thing and say, you can look at this thing and say, there's no way that the church is going to be able to rebound from this. But I wholeheartedly believe that God is allowing some things to happen in order for the church to wake up. He's got to get the attention of the church once again. Peter was locked in prison, but the church used this circumstance as a call to pray and believe that the God of miracles could do a miracle once again. I said the church believed that the God of miracles could one more time do another miracle again. If you need a miracle, you need to believe that God is able to do it again. You need to believe that God still does the impossible. You need to believe that God still causes chains to break. And this is what the church believed because when they arrested Peter and they shut themselves in, they didn't shut themselves in to hide. They shut themselves in to pray. Now we don't know how long Peter was in prison, but what we do know is that he wasn't set free until the night before he was about to be put on trial. It wasn't until the night before. How many know that God has a way of doing things at the right time? You see, great need demands great faith. Let me prove it to you. If there is one thing we know about God is that he may not come when you want him to come. But how many know that he's always right on time? How many remember that old Edwin Hawkins song? You see, I grew up listening to Edwin Hawkins. And they had that song that said, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. And as Peter was chained between a couple of prison officers, it wasn't a difficult, team, it wasn't a difficult thing for him to wonder when and if God would ever show up. You see, one day passes, and then another day passes, and Peter can begin to hear the chatter from the prison guards. You see, they're talking about, when are we going to kill this man? And he can overhear them talking about, hey, some saying it's going to be here, or some saying it's going to be there. And could you imagine that ominous feeling that Peter was living through, just hearing the chatter as when he would die? And you can imagine the fear and the anxiety were probably starting to grip him. It was the fear of not knowing when it would happen. It's knowing something is coming, but not knowing when it was going to come. Can you imagine the flood of emotions that Peter must have felt? Can you imagine the thoughts that are running through his mind? You see, you've got to understand what he's lived through. You see, first, Jesus is gone. And as much as Peter knew that Jesus had to go, he never imagined that his death would be as horrific as it was. How they whipped him and they beat him and they put him on a cross and they left him there between two 
two thieves. He never imagined that the death of Jesus would be the way that it was, the way that it was. Then he sees Stephen, who was the first leader in the early church, and he saw him shortly after he was moved into the position of a deacon. Stephen was stoned to death for his faith, and Peter witnessed that. And then there was James, John's brother, and he was a friend to Peter, and he was beheaded by King Herod. And as sadistic as that sounds, it pleased the Jews. It pleased the Jews. And so now Peter's chained between these two guards. And it doesn't matter how supernatural his faith is. He's only human. And he's watched this trend of deaths of people that have gone before him. And that's the emotion that he's feeling as day after day after day he's waiting for his eventual execution. But I love what happens when you get down to verse 7. It says, and suddenly there was a light. And suddenly there was a light. You see, great faith believes that as long as there is time, there is still room for a miracle. The church locked themselves in and began to pray for Peter. And I imagine they prayed one day and then they prayed another day. But they never gave up hope because great prayers also need great faith. Somebody say great faith. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is not bound by what is seen. Catch that for a second. Hope is not bound by what is seen. You see, hope believes when situations are dark. Hope believes when the situation is unlikely. Hope doesn't throw in the towel. Hope can endure. You see, as long as you've got hope, it doesn't matter what else they take from you. As long as you've got hope, you can endure. And the writer said, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Can you say hope again? But it's not just hope, it's the evidence of things not seen. Like something submitted in a court of law to prove the innocence of a person, evidence tells a story. Come on. How many know that evidence tells a story? And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence points to irrefutable facts. Evidence silences the accusations of the accuser. You see, our faith is our evidence. I'll say that again. Our faith is our evidence because our faith is telling a story. Our faith is saying that even in the midst of this pandemic, we refuse to give up. Even in the midst of this pandemic, we refuse to stop praying. Even in the midst of a shut-in, we won't stop believing God for to do the impossible. And when the world is at its darkest, what the world needs most is a church to get to praying, is a a church to get to believing is a church to put its faith on display we need a church that is ready to spread its faith while this world is is trying to um it is trying to lock down a virus from spreading what we really need is for the church to start spreading faith that's why we're taking to every avenue possible to get out the gospel message because we need faith to spread. We need hope to spread. And we need our evidence, that, that evidence of our faith, it needs to get out. You see, because prayer and faith, what it does, it doesn't just unlock your circumstances. Here's the big key right here. Pr prayer and faith unlocks the church. You see, because sometimes what you pray for it may not come to pass, but what has happened is you've changed. 
Sometimes prayer is not about changing the circumstances as much as it is changing you. And when prayer and faith goes before God, it starts to unlock the church. And I believe that the church has gotten real good at having church. You see, we've gotten really good at having church. We've gotten really good at the way that we do church. I mean, we've got so good at it, and not that there's anything wrong with being good at it and having excellence, but we've gotten so good at it that the world is now looking to our songs, our sound, and our culture. We're leading in so many areas of this world, and I believe that's how it should be. And I'm not trying to be critical of all of this, but right now, we don't need the church to have church as much as we need the church to be the church. We don't need the church just to have church. What was more important is that we need the church to be the church. If we've tethered who we are to a Sunday experience only, then we have missed the entire purpose of the church. We cannot be chained just to an experience that happens inside of a building. The church needs to become unchanged. The church needs to become unchained and become the kingdom of God that God has always intended us to become. You know, what I see here in the book of Acts is the people who return to what they knew to do. Great prayer and great faith. Great prayer and great faith. What happened in the book of Acts chapter 1? In the book of Acts chapter 1, Jesus is standing on the Mount of Olives and he's about to ascend into heaven. And he tells his disciples, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so what they do afterwards is they go lock themselves in prayer. That was the response of the church. And in Acts chapter 12, in the midst of losing the leader of the church at that time, they did what they only knew to do. They went to prayer. Oh, that we would be that type of church again. I said, oh, that we would be that type of church again. When our back's up against the wall, we don't turn to anything else but prayer. We don't turn to strategies and we don't turn to systems. But what we do turn to is we turn to prayer. And that's what the church did. The church, not knowing what to do, they said, well, let's go back and do the last thing that Jesus told us to do. So we'll go and pray. And in Acts chapter 12, that is what they did. And I believe that we are once again at this cultural moment where the world needs the church to pray. We are once again at this cultural moment where the world needs the church to pray. And I believe that just like the prayers caused the chains to fall off of Peter, who was the leader of the early church, our prayers will call the chains to fall off of today's church. I believe that what has worked for the church has done a great job to get us to where we are at today. But if we are going to change this world going forward, this church needs to be unchained. I said this church needs to be unchained. I think if we're going to reach this world in the next 20, 30, 40 years, we have got to become unchanged. We cannot be tethered to the methods. What has got us here so far may not be the thing that carries us forward. It may not be the thing that carries us forward. And I want to close out our time by taking us to this very small phrase near the end of our story here. You see, in chapter 12, when they're praying, the Bible says, and then suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. Before Peter. And the angel tapped him on the side and awoke him and says, Awake, get up. And the chains fell off, and the angel told him, get dressed and put your sandals on. And he did. Now put your coat on and follow me, the angel ordered. And as the angel went before Peter, every door that was locked was open. Every guard that could have stopped him was asleep. 
And the angel provided a supernatural way of escape for Peter to walk out of that jail cell. Eventually, Peter gets to walking to where he believed the believers would gather for prayer. You see, Peter already knew the DNA of who we are is that when times are tough, we pray. The DNA of what we've created is that when things don't go our way, we pray. When things aren't going well, we pray. When, 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 when things look difficult outside, we pray. And Peter, knowing this, knew they're praying. I've got to get to where they are. I've got to get to where the place of prayer is. And so the Bible says that he goes and he knocks on the door. And there's this young girl who's part of the prayer meeting. Uh, but she's probably there to make sure that everyone's needs are met. She's got that gift of helps, right? She's walking around making sure everyone's taken care of. And then when she hears a knocking at the door, she's probably thinking it's another believer that's going to come and join them for prayer. And when she goes and says, who's there? And, and, and Peter says, it's me, Peter. She, she's, she can't believe it. She's like, how in the world is Peter here? And, and she was so bewildered by it that she didn't even let him in. <laughs> she didn't even open the door. She went back to where everyone was praying and said, hey, the thing that we've been praying for, for Peter to get out of prison, he's here. I can imagine someone's looking at her like, girl, why didn't you open the door? <laughs> so they, they, they run to the door and they open the door and finally they let Peter in. And Peter is right there standing at the door and they are all in amazement because God once again, once again, God did a miracle. Once again, God did the impossible. But what I want to do is take you all the way down to verse 17 of chapter 12. It says that Peter motioned for everyone there to be quiet. He told them to quiet down. And then he told them what happened and how the Lord had led him out. And then he said, tell James and the other brothers what happened. And then the Bible says this. It's buried in there. But I want you to get this because I think this is a word for the church. And then... He went to another place. Listen, you got to catch this. Peter, the leader of the church at that time, he arrives at the prayer meeting where they've gathered. And then the Bible says, I'm okay. Everything's going to be okay. And he went another direction. He left that place. You see, one of the things that I gathered from that is this. An unlocked church moves. An unlocked church moves. I, I, I don't have time to go through all of it right now. But just know that the Spirit of God moves. He is not a stagnant God. He moves. He is a moving God. The Spirit of God moves. It's, it's constantly moving. You have got to be in tune with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moves. And, and not only do I believe that he's going to move. And not only do I believe as a result of everything that we're experiencing right now, not only do I believe that the, the, the church is getting ready to experience a great revival, but the church is going to move. The Bible says Peter went to another place. He, he didn't stay there. He, he could have stayed there and prayed with them, maybe spent the night, relaxed a little bit. He's been in a jail cell for days, but he moved. And just like the leader of the church moved, I believe that when all of this blows over, the church is going to move. It's going to require for the church to move once again. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what that looks like. I can't see into where God is going to take us in the next five to ten years, but this I know. There is something in my spirit saying that the church will never be the same as a result of this. This church is going to move. God is always multiple steps ahead of us. I told our team this 
You know, recently we ran into some issues with the building that we use. We are a church that's not even a year old yet. We're supposed to celebrate our birthday in a couple of days, and we're going to have to postpone all of our one-year anniversary festivities, and we're going to celebrate it another time. But there were some things going on with the building, and it really troubled me, and it, it, it caused me to wonder, what's this impact to the church going to look like? And I remember being in our pursuit prayer gathering for our church that gathers every first Saturday of the month to pray, and as I'm praying, I, I, heard, I heard the voice of the Lord say, don't worry about the building, what you need to do is build up the people. Don't worry about the building, I got the building, you take care of the people. And I thought that God was speaking into my now, but, but what I didn't know and what God knew is that nobody was going to have a building to go to in about a couple of weeks. And then God arrested me and said, that word wasn't for your now. That word was for your next. You see, God is always several steps ahead of us. He's always ahead of us because he's moving. He is moving. And when, when Peter arrived, he moved to another place. And, and again, I, I don't know what the future holds for the church. But this I know, we're going to move. We are going to move. The kingdom of God is going to move because the kingdom of God is becoming unchained. Methods are going to change. Programs are going to change. Outreach is going to change. Missions is going to change. Church planting is going to change. Everything's going to change because the church is becoming unchained. God is unlocking the church. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for what God is getting ready to do. I'm not just ready. I am excited for what God is getting ready to do. Because churches, we know it brought us this far. But there's another move of the Spirit of God. And it's going to take the church further than we've ever been able to go. And we are going to soar higher than we've ever been able to go. God is going to use this church in a way that we've never been used before. I want you to lean in where you're at and I want to pray for you. And my hope is that we would be sensitive to what God is doing in this time. That we would understand that in and through it all, God is moving. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you, God, because we believe we are in a cultural moment. It's a shift. The church is shifting. The kingdom of God is advancing. And we believe that you are going to use this moment to redefine what it means to be as a Christian, as a Jesus follower. The church is about to be shifted. And Father, we welcome it. We're hungry for it because we want to follow you just like you led the Israel nation by a fire at night and a cloud by day. So lead us, Father. So lead us, Father. We're following your steps. We're hungry, Lord God, for what you want to do. We believe, Lord God, our greatest days are ahead of us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, for those of you that are watching online, I want to take you through something in a moment. You see, the church is shifting, but you have an awesome opportunity to be a part of this. You have an opportunity to jump in to a cultural shift, a moment. This is really going to be something that marks the church going forward. We'll look back at 2020 and say that was the day when things shifted. That was the year when things shifted for the church. And if you're not yet a part of the church I invite you to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and to be a part of what God is doing here on this earth. 
Listen, your best days are ahead of you. God designed you and he's got a purpose for your life. There is potential that he wants to see you fulfilled. And if you've not yet received Christ, I'm going to invite you to do that right now. And if you somehow... Once upon a time, you mean you were just following Christ. You were, you were, you were living for Him, but but you got knocked off course. Let me tell you, you can say yes again, and you can restart a relationship with Him. So if you'd like to begin a relationship with Him, or if you'd like to restart a relationship with Him, let me lead you in a prayer. Pray this prayer with me, Father. We thank you for forgiveness, which is available right now. We thank you, God, for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And right now, we accept the forgiveness that is available to us. We turn from the life that we've lived, and we now turn to you. We receive, Lord God, every good thing that you have for us. Your grace and mercy that is new every morning, we receive it now. We turn our backs to the way that we used to be, and we run towards your call, and we run towards our future with you. We receive you as Lord and Savior. We accept you as Savior of our life. Today marks a new New day for me. We accept you. We receive you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, if you prayed that, would you just worship with us? Come on, can you just worship alongside us? Come on. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.